We're joined by a panel of APRs discussing getting your APR on this edition of Good Morning Communicators, and it starts right now. I am happy to be joined by three current APRs here in Central Ohio. Joining us on the podcast today, we have Melissa Dardinger, APR. She is the Corporate Manager of Public Relations with Ohio Living. I have Kim, we have Kim Ratcliffe, APR, Director of Insights and Strategy for Fraser Hybe, and Susan Fortner, APR, President of Bowers PR. Ladies, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Awesome. We're talking APR here today. What is the value of gaining your APR and how can that help you become a better practitioner than say real world experience? And, and Susan, I'll start with you. Why would someone get their APR? Well, so, um, so actually uh, I am the APR chair for our chapter. And the reason I'm leading with that is there is a reason why I got involved in that. And um, whenever there was a panel needed, I always was raising my hands from early on um, and helping our former chair. And the reason for that is I truly believe it validates our industry and sets us, the ones that have it, apart from the rest. And, and I'm a big advocate of it and a believer of it. And it is something that um, I look for in a potential employee. And we offer, we do uh, reimburse anybody from my company that wants to do it. But from a per, uh professional, how it improves your ability to your skill set. I just think it, for me, it kept me thinking of outside of the box or things that I may not have been applying because you tend to get into your day to day. This is how I do things for a client. And when I went through the, you know, it's made me, it's forced me to stop and look at things a little bit differently. And it definitely has impacted and made me a better professional in the industry after getting it. Melissa, how about you? What, why, why get your APR? Why did you get your APR? For me, it was definitely personal and professional credibility. Um, being with the same company for 24 years and working with a lot of others who have um, really long tenures as well, um, I really wanted something to validate uh, the new role I was given um, rather than uh, the first 22 years working in, in our charitable foundation and more than half of that time leading the communications function for them. And then moving just in the last couple of years to, the, to a corporate role um, and, and being given the role of public relations when that is a new role to the system. I wanted that credibility not only um, for the role and for the guidance um, I would be bringing to the organization, uh, but I also wanted that personal confidence that comes along with um, obtaining something such as the APR, um, proving something to myself. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever felt imposter syndrome at some point, <laughs> but I think that's, that's a very real thing. And just to be able to prove to myself, I have what it takes, I know what I'm doing, and the APR process really proved that uh, to myself. And so just personal and professional confidence and credibility, uh, and it's been so valuable. What is the imposter syndrome? That's a new term I've not been familiar with. <laughs> imposter syndrome is um, a phenomenon whereby we can feel, we can tend to feel that we're not really good enough or qualified enough, uh, whether it's professionally or, or something else. Um, and we feel like it's only a matter of time before somebody finds out I'm not really supposed to be here. And maybe that's something that's been written about in the context of women uh, pri primarily. I'm not entirely sure about that. Uh, but I've heard, I've heard a lot of people, even actors and actresses, um, express that same kind of feeling. It's, it's quite a common feeling um, at different times in people's lives. And I started to feel that way myself. Um, not really for any particular reason, but just one of those psychological things that can sneak up on you sometimes. Oh, I deal with that too. Okay. I understand exactly <laughs> what you mean. And I, for, from, from my perspective, I look at the new graduates, the, the younger 
talent that's out there today as being far more advanced when it comes to public relation tactics, you know, use the use of social media, things like things like that, mm-hmm. um, than yes. what I am capable of. So I find myself wildly at times insecure. So I totally get it. And that's one of the reasons why I went after my APR as well. Kim, how about you? Why, why did you obtain your APR? Well, you know, Michael, I think it goes back to a couple of the things that, that you touched on um, when you started this question off and, and right where you left it just now. I, I think it's all about strategy. And, you know, when we consider this time that we're in right now in the midst of COVID-19, you know, a lot of folks have the tendency um, and we, you know, we've, we've worked side by side with folks who want to solve problems right now in the moment. And in our world as communicators, many times there is a tendency to jump right on those tactics and go right into crisis comms mode and solve the immediate problems. And I think the folks that are leading from the strategy perspective and lifting up above those tactics really stand out. So for me, that that's the reason why I certainly I didn't know COVID-19 was going to happen, but that's the reason why I decided to pursue my APR. Um, and I think I really started the process um, a couple years before I ended up um, getting the certification, but or the accreditation. Um, but it's that strategy piece. It's being able to help everyone to elevate the work um, up to the 30,000 foot level and be able to look into the future, not just look at what's happening now, and also to be able to measure the effectiveness of that work. And I mean, that's always been an anchor for me. I started off my career as an analyst and that's the role that I play in you know, working with our clients now from an, an insights perspective is you know, bringing the, uh, the measurement view into uh, the communication space. And uh, you know, having my APR um, helps me to do that even more than I could before. That's out, that's outstanding. So that really shows you sort of the value of gaining your APR. Now, Susan, you made mention just a few a few moments ago that you really look for those that have obtained their APR in terms of hiring, and you also reimburse your employees as they're going through the process. Talk about the value of the APR for just a second in terms of hiring people. And I, and I want to get Melissa and Kim's thoughts on this as well, because I think that at times we struggle to show the value of the APR. And if you could just kind of touch a little bit on how valuable this actually is. So um, it certainly won't prevent me from hiring someone if they don't. It's more about wanting to achieve that level. And for me, it, you know, it, it really is something as simple as you're committed to the industry because for the people that have no interest in obtaining it, uh, and I'm sp- strictly speaking about who works for me, it, it's usually a, a sign of what kind of a commitment they have to being the best in their profession. Uh, because it, it, to Kim's point, I was just like her. It took me a couple years to to actually finish getting my APR because it's it's not a look, a light process. There's there are steps involved and and you you have to put your time into it. So it shows me that not only do you take your profession seriously, but you are willing to commit to being the best at it to take this time on your own and learn more and prepare for the panel and prepare for all the different steps you need to do to, to achieve it. Melissa, I want to hear your thoughts on the, I'm sorry, go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, I was just making sure I answered your question. (laughs) Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and Melissa, we spoke of the why get your APR. What's the value of having your APR? I really think the value is um, right in alignment with what Susan's expressing. It's that commitment to, um, providing that the best counsel, knowing the best strategy, or not necessarily knowing, but figuring out the best strategies, um, having that extra layer of understanding um, and the depth of understanding that comes along with the APR that really helps you think differently. Um, I found a lot of um, affirmation in what I was doing through the process, but I also learned an incredible amount 
um, that was able to really elevate my skill set, elevate how I think. And that's, I think, critical for organizations um, as they're trying to grow their business, as they're positioning themselves, as they're increasing market share. Um, it really can only serve to help all of the business goals and objectives by having somebody in place in public relations who has that depth of understanding. And um, I know for me, I've already shared with, um, with the leadership that given the size and scope of our company and the sensitivity of our industry, nobody should ever sit in that role without an APR, in my opinion. Amen. Um, uh, ditto all over the place um, on everything that Susan and, and Melissa have shared. I think, you know, the only thing that I would add, and it's, um, you know, a little bit of an angle for those folks who, you know, may have already pursued an advanced degree after um, undergrad, um, and, you know, maybe asking themselves, you know, do I need to have this accreditation in addition to, you know, having my master's degree, having my MBA, having my master of public administration, whatever the case may be. And um, when I have conversations with folks that are considering the APR, but who have that advanced degree, I, I always come back to them and encourage um, them to even go deeper because that's what it's all about in our profession. It's all about always learning and always finding a way to bring value to the decision-making table. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I got my Master of Public Administration when I was in my 20s. That was a few years ago now, I will say. Um, <laughs> and, you know, when I made the decision to come back and get my APR, um, I, was, I was actually working at Paul Worth Associates um, when I started considering that process. And it, it took me a few years to really understand what it means to have that rigor of um, strategy level thinking in the communications industry. It just, again, it pushes you, it elevates you to another level. And I, you know, I was convinced um, after I met more APRs and after I really understood the, um, you know, the, the level of thinking and the level of um, counseling that we can do when we have this accreditation. It really is a benefit to our clients. And um, coming back to things that, that Melissa said earlier too, it's a benefit to ourselves as well um, because we see ourselves in a new light and are able to take on new challenges. Now, the one thing we've established why get your APR, and we have an understanding of what the value is. Let's move into the process of getting your APR. So when you're ready to get ready to do this, Susan, what will candidates go through and what will they do to start out? So your first process is you need to apply to Kathy, who's over all the APRs, and um, just she's going to validate that you've been in the industry, a little bit of your background, and it's that's a very light part of it. And then your next step is the panel. And that's where you sit in front of three of your peers, three APRs. And I'm not allowed to sit on that panel. So I facilitate it. So I'm outside the room, but there's three APRs that you will present your body of work to. And that is a written body of work that you present and show even if you don't have every one of uh, the KPIs represented in that pan in that uh, presentation, you can showcase how you understand it in your panel presentation. And that is really, for a lot of people, myself included, we stress more about the panel than we do about the actual test, where what I've learned, how having sat through many of them, is the APRs there are, are there just as much to help you. And the only reason you wouldn't advance is if you truly are not ready to sit for the test. So they're going to work through and talk about your work. And then when you, if you advance, then you get to sit for the test, which is 
a couple hour test. And again, um, I think if you either are participate with a study club or you do some of the online prep or a boot camp, that will help you and get and um, increase your odds of passing the exam. And you talk about you have to reach out to Kathy. Uh, can you explain to our listeners who Kathy is? Kathy Mulhill is the um, APR chair for National. Okay. And she is over everybody who goes through the APR, whether you're an APR, you're going through the process. I, and I, it's unbelievable how she gets to know you and how she knows everybody and she's very available and um, easy to work with and a wealth of information. So I certainly recommend that as you're thinking about going through that, you uh, get to know your local APR chair, but Kathy as well. She is, she's going to be a huge advocate and a huge source of information to help you go through the process. Outstanding. And is there, a, is there, is there an application that you have to fill out the, online or is it There is an application and and a fee that you'll have to fill out, and um, and it's a low, I think, what, 100, 150, I I can't remember, it's been so long since I've had to fill it out, but yes, there's an application, it's a very um, short application, but you do have to show how long you've been in the industry and a little bit of that, and um, you, you send that up to Kathy, and it's a pretty quick process that she turns it around, and then once you have applied before you even have been approved she notifies the local chair hey we've got this in the works so that I or whoever your your local chair is is aware that you're starting the process and it's our job to reach out welcome you find out if you need anything so there's a really nice um, process in place through that and she will also reach out to you and let you know you know how you how you're fitting in you know what do you have any questions and There'll be a lot of correspondence back and forth with Kathy through your process. So I want to talk to Melissa real quick about applying to start the process. Melissa, can you talk about what the application was like for you? The application was very, very simple, just outlining my professional experience and a a couple, a few other key questions. Um, The panel presentation questionnaire was much more robust. Um, but the application process in general was, was so easy. And um, as Susan mentioned, the turnaround was very, very quick um, to get me started um, in the, the actual process of preparing for APR. And talk about that panel presentation questionnaire, because you're right. The, the application was simple. And if I'm not mistaken, it was only like $50, I think, for the application. And that got you started. But you did have to make the payment. We'll get to that a little bit later here afterwards, which I think was closer to the $300, which was the test and everything. But talk about that panel presentation questionnaire for a second. Absolutely. The panel presentation questionnaire um, really prepares you for um, – how you approach your presentation, essentially. But it it really walks you through a series of questions that not only force you to share um, a project you've done, um, some personal questions about why you've chosen to become accredited at this time, uh, describing the uh, structure of your current team and how your your workflow is processed, um, but also gets a little bit into, you know, provides a little insight into the candidate's strategic thinking, asking you questions about um, if you were to set up an agency, what would you do? Um, what changes, if any, are needed in the structure of your department or operation? Um, talk about your um, the presentation you're going to present or the project you're going to present and, you know, describe those, those details. I'm actually looking through the questions right now as I'm, as I'm answering this because it's a really robust questionnaire, really robust. Uh, But I think for any of us in this industry, we're used to writing and it's, it's all, it's all information that we have uh, pulling around in our brains anyway. And it gives the panel an insight as to how you think and how you approach um, situations and challenges. 
And it really just undergirds what they're going to see in your panel presentation, the project that you're presenting, um, to guide them in terms of how they're going to interact with you about your project presentation. And what did you find was the hardest question that you struggled to answer? Oh, I think for me, the hardest question um, was probably about... Um, oh gosh, there are so many questions. I, I really think that any, any question that directly addressed something that I hadn't physically done before, if it's something that I had experience in, you know, I could talk about that. But if I hadn't had experience in something such as research, mm-hmm. just <laughs> thinking through how can I answer this question from where I sit in my experience today? And how I answered those questions or that was the case, you know, was more than adequate according to the panel. Sure. I think as Susan said, it's, it's thinking through what would you do? And if you haven't had that experience, you know, what comes to mind about how you would do it? Um, And I don't think there's any right answer. Um, They're just wanting to see again, how you think, how you strategize and, and how you prepare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Kim, what what advice can you give those that are filling this out as we speak uh, when it comes to putting this presentation questionnaire together? Right, right. I think, um, you know, looping back both to uh, some things Susan said and also Melissa's comments when, so just want to reinforce around the application process, you know, when completing that application, it, the fee is actually $25. So it is very inexpensive to get the process kicked off. Once you go into, you know, the, the phase of, um, you know, preparing for the the panel um, and, you know, moving in that direction, um, that's when um, the the fee actually, I'm looking at the dollar amounts right now, it's a 385 examination fee. That's right. Um, that covers things from um, the, uh, it, it actually waives the $25 application fee. That's right. If you make that single payment, or you can split it up into two payments of $205 a piece. And Susan's absolutely right. The, you know, that process kicks off with a connection with Kathy, Kathy Mulvihill um, at National. And you, you all will get to know her very, very well. And she is terrific and very helpful in this process. Um, and then from the panel presentation perspective, I, I love your question about the most difficult question on that. And I, I just reflecting back and I'm looking at the questions again too to refresh my memory at the, the first question is why have you chosen to become accredited at this time and I think that for many people this it can be difficult to distill that question the answer to that question down and in answering all of these questions for the panel presentation I always encourage folks to Think about this as a presentation to a CEO and you are going to write and prepare responses to each of these questions. There are uh, a total of nine on um, your organization and your role. So you're looking at yourself and everyone around you. And then you've got a total of five on your experience. And the panel is going to be thinking about your ability to cover off on all of those mm-hmm. knowledge, the KSA, so knowledge, skills, and abilities. Mm-hmm. And they are going to be looking at your level of preparedness, as Susan said, to come into um, the panel and then also move forward through the panel presentation to take the test. So I would strongly encourage folks to refer to the KSAs Make sure that you are intentionally answering all of these questions so that you are covering off on those and think about distilling your responses after you've taken an initial shot at it um, 
into a shorter <laughs> summary document. Again, thinking about the panel of APRs from a CEO perspective. And less is more, give them the essentials, but make sure that they know you're covering off on all of the KSAs and that you're prepared to come into that conversation with them. That's the goal as you're responding to the questionnaire. That's right. That's absolutely right. Now, the website that people can go to to find resources related to as well as the application process is PRAccreditation.org. And that is where you can find your application, your panel presentation, um, Word document. And you can also find FAQs, the KSAs, the process chart, etc. One of the other things that is on that particular webpage, Susan, is the APR study guide. And as we've established the why, the value, and how to begin the process, I think it's wildly important to address sort of the elephant of the room, and it's studying this for, for this particular, uh, not only panel presentation, but the exam, which I'm not going to lie, I was far more stressed out about the panel presentation than I was about the exam. And every APR I ever talked to leading up to my panel and then ultimately into my um, test was the fact that you are crazy and insane for thinking that the panel was going to be harder than the exam. <laughs> Might want to change that thinking. So let's start talking studying tips. And the first thing, Susan, is what do you recommend to do when you begin studying for this process? You know, Mike, I was told the same thing. Why are you so stressed about the panel? And since I've heard that from so many um, prospective APRs that they stressed more about the panel. So I don't think we're in the minority there. I felt like I was, but um, I think everybody stresses about that panel. But as far as studying for the actual test, so I will tell you what I did right and what I did wrong. I attacked it a little bit of what Melissa said. What, I forget her, her phrase that she used about, you know, where you felt you were, a, you know, an imposter, imposter syndrome, I think. Um, so I read everything and I didn't need to read everything because, that they recommend because at the end of the day, there's really specific things you need to remember when you go in there and they do lay it out, the percentages about what you're going to be asked. So the first thing that you should know backwards and forwards is the study guide. It really lays it out there for you. And then the culpit, uh, you know, there's a couple other books that probably are, are really good, but the study guide is what you really need to know. And if you have a really good working knowledge and you've just kind of the things you don't know, you've picked up from other sources, but you have a really good knowledge of that study guide, you should do well. And I really wished I had spent much more of my time on the study guide than I had on all these other reading materials. And then the, the other two things, um, Melissa uh, signed up for a study club that I had started last year. And I think 90% of the time she was it. She was the study club. And I really, really recommend that you be part of a group. It First of all, it encourages each other. And they're going to ask you a question or look at something in a different way than you are going to look at it. So it's it's just really good to to build some study buddies through this process. I did it through a boot camp. I'm telling you, I would not have completed my APR if I had not gone through a boot camp. And it was very helpful seeing how other people study, listening to how they approached questions. It made a big difference for me. And it, the whole purpose of taking your APR exam is to make you better at your profession. And if you're just taking it to pass it, and not learn from it, you're missing something. So if I hadn't been part of a boot camp or a study, if I had the opportunity, I didn't, to be part of a study club or something like that, I would have missed that piece of learning from other people in my profession. So I really, really encourage you to get in a study group or in something where you're amongst your peers and you're learning together. And Melissa, Susan made mention that you were the study club at, at the boot camp. So talk about your study tips here that you could give potential uh, candidates. 
Well, I was really worried going in because there was there were a lot of things going on in my life throughout the time that I was trying to study prior to the boot camp. And I was really concerned I wasn't retaining. I was reading, but not necessarily retaining. And so Susan's advice to read and absorb that study guide, um, you know, not really concerned about the entire recommended reading list. Um, of course, the Cutlipin Center is, is critical, but really just focusing in on that study guide made all the difference for me. And, you know, feel free to ask questions. There are certain things in the study guide that I didn't feel had enough context for me to really understand what was expected out of a certain section. Um, but just really read and absorb the study guide. Um, and that gives you the complete foundation for the test, uh, for everything that an APR should know. And, and then you'll, I mean, you'll surprise yourself that the things that you have read, um, they'll come back to you. And I think I was definitely the outlier because I've, I don't tend to get stressed over um, presentations and conversations. And so I wasn't worried about the panel, but I was terrified over the exam. And then in the boot camp process, I thought, well, there's definitely something wrong with me if I'm not stressed over the panel because everybody's stressed over the panel. But I think, I think really their, their advice is right on. Don't stress over the panel um, and really study. Get in those groups if you can. Find out what other people are questioning, um, what, what they're struggling with, um, because the answers that you'll find together are really going to provide the context that will get you through the scenarios on the test. And Kim, what were some of your, uh, what were you, what did you do to help study for the exam? So, uh, you know, again, it's, it's ditto to a lot of the things that, that Melissa and Susan have touched on. I think, um, what Susan said about, you know, take this seriously. This is the exam is not easy. Uh, the exam will challenge you. There can be more than one right answer. Um, in many cases, that is true. It is multiple choice, but it is very scenario based. Mm -hmm. And running through all of the potential uh, scenarios for a given communications challenge is something that's going to be critical for you going into the test. Um, the three things that I that served me best in preparing to take the test. And part of it is just, you know, how, you know, everybody has their own style for what works. But for me, absor absorbing myself in the background reading, Cutlip and Center, the study guide, also participating in the online course um, was something that was very beneficial for me. And it was a way for me to bond with some of my study buddies in that way, because I actually came through when I received my APR, I belong to the National School Public Relations Association, and they do their panel process um, only once a year at their annual conference. And so Columbus, Ohio, Central Ohio PRSA, that I had belonged to, to the association prior to um, switching over to Ensbra, I reached out to them. Kathy Mulvihill helped me to coordinate to receive an APR panel through Columbus, Ohio, or Central mm -hmm. Ohio PRSA. And so, you know, the chapter was kind enough to shepherd me through that process. Mm -hmm. The panel, the panelists that I had, um, it was Gail Saunders, Kara Allison, and Jaron Terry. They were all terrific supporters. They gave me some slides and study tips that I referred back to, some of it being on the history of public relations, things that were just good reminders for me to include in my review mix as I was, you know, absorbing Cutlip and Center and that study guide. I referred to those you know, study tips and, and you know, history um, aspects of things that they gave to me as well. And then, um, and I did it over time, right? I mean, I didn't cram. 
And I think the key is you have to do it over time Mm -hmm. and be intentional about it because it's not just retaining. There is a part of it that's memorization, but then you have to apply that and be able to apply it reliably. That's right. And one of the things that they really do, and and the study club helps with this, um, so I would encourage involvement in that, but the the online study course also does. Mm -hmm. It forces you to go through case studies and to pull out the communications problem, go through the, the situation analysis and, you know, develop, you know, your goal, your objectives, um, make sure that your objectives are smart, um, make sure that you're really focusing on the right target audiences, that research is embedded in your process from, you know, initial review all the way through evaluation, mm-hmm. and that your strategies and tactics line back up with uh, your measurable objectives. So, um, I would encourage, you know, folks to approach things from that case study perspective. And then for me, the week before I took the test, um, and I did not go through a boot camp. So, I think if I did a boot camp, I would not have to do this. But I am a flashcard person. Mm-hmm. And I, the process of writing out the flashcards uh-huh. and then reviewing them over and over and over and over again. And something that I think was a great tip that my panel gave to me going into the test is you, you have a scratch pad when you sit down at that little cubicle, when you're at the testing center and you can write whatever you want to on that scratch pad and you do not need to start taking the test right when you sit down. Mm -hmm. If there are things that you've had trouble remembering, why don't you go ahead and write them on that scratch pad Mm-hmm. So you don't forget them while you're going through those hundreds of multiple choice questions and you're going to be flagging things. You're going to be going back to things that you don't know how to answer right away. So take the time. Don't feel rushed and do give yourself that on ramp for preparation. Cause if you do it all right before the test, it is not going to turn out well. You're done. <laughs> you're done. I, I'll test to that. I was fortunate enough to pass mine on the first on the first shot, and as I'm sure everybody else was, but I had studied for well over well over a year. And, and Susan, it's a, it's a one year start timer, right? I mean, as soon as you apply, you've you've got 365 days to get everything knocked out. Is that correct? Yeah, I um, we just we discussed this last week because I'm one of those rare birds that actually had to sit through the panel twice Mm -hmm. because I, I mean, I advanced both times, but I went past the one year, way past the one year. Gotcha. So I had to start over again. You don't want to do that. So make sure you turn on when you turn it on that you can complete it in one year. I'm going to talk to Melissa real quick about applying to start the process. Melissa, can you talk about what the application was like for you? The application was very, very simple, just outlining my professional experience and a, a couple, few, a few other key questions. Um, the panel presentation questionnaire was much more robust, um, but the application process in general was, was so easy. And um, as Susan mentioned, the turnaround was very, very quick um, to get me started um, in the, the actual process of preparing for APR. And talk about that panel presentation questionnaire, because you're right. The, the application was simple. And if I'm not mistaken, it was only like $50, I think, for the application. And that got you started. But you did have to make the payment. We'll get into that a little bit later here afterwards, which I think was closer to the $300, which was the test and everything. But talk about that panel presentation questionnaire for a second. Absolutely. The panel presentation questionnaire um, really prepares you for... Um, how you approach your presentation, essentially, but it it really walks you through a series of questions that not only force you to share um, a project you've done, um, some personal questions about why you've chosen to become accredited at this time, uh, describing the uh, structure of your current team and how your, your workflow is processed, um, but also gets a little bit into, you know, provides a little insight into the candidate's strategic thinking, asking you questions about um, 
if you were to set up an agency, what would you do? Um, what changes, if any, are needed in the structure of your department or operation? Um, talk about your um, the presentation you're going to present or the project you're going to present, and you know describe those those details. I'm actually looking through the questions right now as I'm as I'm answering this because it's a really robust questionnaire, really robust. Uh, but yeah. I think for any of us in this industry, we're used to writing, and it's it's all it's all information that we have uh, pulling around in our brains anyway. And it gives the panel an insight as to how you think and how you approach um, situations and challenges. And it really just undergirds what they're going to see in your panel presentation, the project that you're presenting, um, to guide them in terms of how they're going to interact with you about your project presentation. And what did you find was the hardest question that you struggled to answer? Oh, I think for me, the hardest question was probably about... I really think that any any question that directly addressed something that I hadn't physically done before, if it's something that I had experience in, you know, I could talk about that. But if I hadn't had experience in something such as research, for mm -hmm. instance, just <laughs> thinking through how can I answer this question from where I sit in my experience today, and how I answered those questions where that was the case. You know, was more than adequate according to the panel. Sure. I think, sure. as Susan said, it's it's thinking through what would you do, and if you haven't had that experience, you know, what comes to mind about how you would do it. Um, and I don't think there's any right answer. Um, they're just wanting to see, again, how you think, how you strategize, and and how you prepare. That's right. That's absolutely right. Now, the website that people can go to to find resources related to as well as the application process is praccreditation.org and that is where you can find your application your panel presentation um, word document and you can also find faqs the ksa's the process chart etc one of the other things that is on that particular web page susan is the APR study guide. And as we've established the why, the value, and how to begin the process, I think it's wildly important to address sort of the elephant in the room, and it's studying this for, for this particular, uh, not only panel presentation, but the exam, which I'm not gonna lie, I was far more stressed out about the panel presentation than I was about the exam. And every APR I ever talked to leading up to my panel and then ultimately into my um, test was the fact that you are crazy and insane for thinking that the panel was going to be harder than the exam. <laughs> Might want to change that thinking. So let's start talking studying tips. And the first thing, Susan, is what do you recommend to do when you begin studying for this process? You know, Mike, I was told the same thing. Why are you so stressed about the panel? And since I've heard that from so many um, prospective APRs that they stressed more about the panel. So I don't think we're in the minority there. I felt like I was, but um, I think everybody stresses about that panel. But as far as studying for the actual test, so I will tell you what I did right and what I did wrong. I attacked it a little bit of what Melissa said, what, I forget her, her phrase that she used about, you know, where you felt you were a, you know, an imposter, imposter syndrome, I think. Um, so I read everything and I didn't need to read everything because that they recommend because at the end of the day, there's really specific things you need to remember when you go in there and they do lay it out, the percentages about what you're going to be asked. So the first thing that you should know backwards and forwards is the study guide. It really lays it out there for you. And then the culprit, uh, you know, there's a couple other books that probably are, are really good, but the study guide is what you really need to know. And if you have a really good working knowledge and you've just kind of, the things you don't know, you've picked up from other sources, 
but you have a really good knowledge of that study guide, you should do well. And I really wished I had spent much more of my time on the study guide than I had on all these other reading materials. And then the, the other two things, um, Melissa uh, signed up for a study club that I had started last year. And I think 90% of the time she was it. She was the study club. And I really, really recommend that you be part of a group. It, first of all, it encourages each other and they're going to ask you a question or look at something in a different way than you are going to look at it. So it's, it's just really good to, to build some study buddies through this process. I did it through a boot camp. I'm telling you, I would not have completed my APR if I had not gone through a boot camp. And it was very helpful seeing how other people study listening to how they approached questions, it made a big difference for me. And it, the whole purpose of taking your APR exam is to make you better at your profession. And if you're just taking it to pass it and not learn from it, you're missing something. So if I hadn't been part of a boot camp or a study, if I had the opportunity, I didn't, to be part of a study club or something like that, I would have missed that piece of learning from other people in my profession. So I really, really encourage you to get in a study group or in something where you're amongst your peers and you're learning together. And Melissa, Susan made mention that you were the study club at, <laughs> at the boot camp. So talk about your study tips here that you could give potential uh, candidates. Well, I was really worried going in because there, was, there were a lot of things going on in my life throughout the time that I was trying to study prior to the boot camp. And I was really concerned I wasn't retaining. I was reading, but not necessarily retaining. And so Susan's advice to read and absorb that study guide, um, you know, not really concerned about the entire recommended reading list. Um, of course, the Cutlip and Center is, is critical, but really just focusing in on that study guide made all the difference for me. And you know, feel free to ask questions. There are certain things in the study guide that I didn't feel had enough context for me to really understand what was expected out of a certain section. Um, but just really read and absorb the study guide. Um, and that gives you the complete foundation for the test, uh, for everything that an APR should know. And, and then you'll, I mean, you'll surprise yourself that the things that you have read, um, they'll come back to you. And I think I was definitely the outlier because I've, I don't tend to get stressed over um, presentations and conversations. And so I wasn't worried about the panel, but I was terrified over the exam. And then in the boot camp process, I thought, well, there's definitely something wrong with me if I'm not stressed over the panel because everybody's stressed over the panel. But I think, I think really their, their advice is right on. Don't stress over the panel. Um, and really study, get in those groups if you can, find out what other people are questioning, uh, what, what they're struggling with, uh, because the answers that you'll find together are really going to provide the context that'll get you through the scenarios on the test. And Kim, what were some of your, uh, what, were you, what did you do to help study for the exam? So, you know, again, it's, it's ditto to a lot of the things that, that Melissa and Susan have touched on. I think um, what Susan said about, you know, take this seriously. This is, the exam is not easy. Uh, the exam will challenge you. There can be more than one right answer. Um, in many cases, that is true. It is multiple choice, but it is very scenario based. And running through all of the potential uh, scenarios for a given communications challenge is something that's going to be critical for you going into the test. Um, the three things that I, that served me best in preparing to take the test and part of it is just, you know, how, you know, everybody has their own style for what works. But for me, absor absorbing myself in the background reading, Cutlip and Center, the study guide, 
also participating in the online course um, was something that was very beneficial for me. And it was a way for me to bond with some of my study buddies in that way, because I actually came through when I received my APR, I belonged to the National School Public Relations Association. And they do their panel process um, only once a year at their annual conference. And so Columbus, Ohio, Central Ohio PRSA, that I had belonged to, to the association prior to um, switching over to ENSBRA, I reached out to them. Kathy Mulvihill helped me to coordinate to receive an APR panel through Columbus, Ohio, or Central mm -hmm. Ohio PRSA. And so, you know, the chapter was kind enough to shepherd me through that process. The panel, the panelists that I had, um, it was Gail Saunders, Kara Allison, and Jaron Terry. They were all terrific supporters. They gave me some slides and study tips that I referred back to, some of it being on the history of public relations things that were just good reminders for me to include in my review mix as I was, you know, absorbing Cutlick Center and that study guide, I referred to those, you know, study tips and, and you know, history um, aspects of things that they gave to me as well. And then, um, and I did it over time, right? I mean, I didn't cram. And I think the key is you have to do it over time and be intentional about it because it's not just retaining there is a part of it that's memorization but then you have to apply that that's and exactly be able right. to apply it reliably that's right and one of the things that they really do and and the study club helps with this um so i would encourage involvement in that but the the online study course also does mm -hmm. it forces you to go through case studies and to pull out the communications problem, go through the, the situation analysis and, you know, develop, you know, your goal, your objectives, um, make sure that your objectives are smart, um, make sure that you're really focusing on the right target audiences, that research is embedded in your process from, you know, initial review all the way through evaluation, mm -hmm. and that your strategies and tactics line back up with uh, your measurable objectives. So um, I would encourage, you know, folks to approach things from that case study perspective. And then for me, the week before I took the test, um, and I did not go through a boot camp. So I think if I did a boot camp, I would not have to do this. But I am a flashcard person. Mm -hmm. And I, the process of writing out the flashcards uh -huh. and then reviewing them over and over and over and over again. And something that I think was a great tip that my panel gave to me going into the test is you, you have a scratch pad when you sit down at that little cubicle, when you're at the testing center and you can write whatever you want to on that scratch pad. And you do not need to start taking the test right when you sit down. Mm -hmm. If there are things that you've had trouble remembering, why don't you go ahead and write them on that scratch pad mm -hmm. so you don't forget them while you're going through those hundreds of multiple choice questions. And you're going to be flagging things. You're going to be going back to things that you don't know how to answer right away. So take the time. Don't feel rushed and do give yourself that on-ramp for preparation because if you do it all right before the test it is not going to turn out well you're done <laughs> you're done I, i'll test to that i was fortunate enough to pass mine on the first on the first shot and as i'm sure everybody else was but i had studied for well over well over a year and and susan it's a, it's a one-year start timer right I mean, as soon as you apply, you've, you've got 365 days to get everything knocked out. Is that correct? Yeah, I, um, we, just, we discussed this last week because I'm one of those rare birds that actually had to sit through the panel twice mm -hmm. because I, I mean, I advanced both times, but I went past the one year, way past the one year. Gotcha. So I had to start over again. You don't want to do that. So make sure you turn on, when you turn it on, that you can complete it in one year or you will have to be like me and 
redo the whole thing. And not fun. Right. And, and, and Kim made mention of the online course. I took the online course and I thought that was one of the main reasons that I was able to pass and get through because I struggled with some concepts and it did help me get through a lot of those struggles. With the online course, they always tell you study, then apply, study, then apply, study, then apply. And that's pretty, pretty much what I did. I went a year of studying and then knocked out the panel presentation and exam within four months. Do you think that that's a good way to do it? Study first and then apply? Of course, that's, a, that's, that's the way you should do it. Is that the way I did it? No, I, I banged it out in the boot camp. I was probably everything Kim's telling you not to do, but I had to get it done. I was not sitting through a third panel. Sure, and, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, for some of us, we just don't have time to, to study. So that's, again, why there are alternative methods. Um, you know, for me, it was, I just needed to really hammer it out and finish it up. I, now, in, in fairness, I started reading all the, I mean, I read all those books. So I did a lot of reading and preparing throughout. Did I stop and apply, stop and apply throughout? No, I did not. I was just trying to get it done. And um, that was a lot. If you look at the list, there's a lot of books on there. So it was uh, quite cumbersome for me. Well, and and everybody that was, mentioned. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's why the boot camp for me just kind of helped put a process behind it and really mm -hmm. stopped and focused me on what I really needed to focus on to, to pass the test as opposed to, I mean, you could just be absorbing all kinds of things. They, they do have a lot of tools and it can be a little overwhelming when you start the process. Do I do the online? Do I go to this? Do I, um, you know, all these reading materials. So having either a mentor or an advisor or Kathy or your APR chair helping you kind of whittle down what you really should focus on. I think it is what was key for me. And that's my biggest recommendation. Yeah. And you can go to the PRSA central Ohio.org contact us page. You can find Susan's name and email there and reach out to her or any number of the people that are APRs listed on the board or just a general contact to the organization. And they will link you up with, mentors, study people. I'm happy to help. I know that I bugged our current president, Katie Thomas, about a dozen times um, to, to sit down and do coffee over this process and help me really, you know, relax and tell me to everything's going to be okay. Um, and, and that right? one thing that I would add is because of the boot camp, I had to set up 40. Uh, I, I had to reach out to every single APR because we had to I think we ended up having to sit 23 panels for the, for the boot camp. Yeah. And there's not one of our APRs that would not be willing to sit down with any person who's thinking no about it. So you can reach out that. to any of them. That's yeah. exactly right. Absolutely right. And I'm sure that Melissa and Kim on here as well would be happy to, to talk to potential candidates too. Is that correct? Oh, of course. I'd be so yeah. happy. Absolutely. Yeah. Same here. And I don't want to get too far into the online course, but I will say if you are interested in doing the online course, it, you can find the link on the um, APR page, PR, PRaccreditation.org, and look to that. But I, I will also say that I noticed I did hear one of you, and actually most of you, talk about Cutlip and Center's public relations book. Um, I think it's called Effective Public Relations. So I purchased that as a rental off of Amazon. I think it was about $50 and got you four months. And I think I read that thing. I renewed the rental a few times. I read that thing cover to cover um, probably twice. Uh, that's what my PRSA Central Ohio APR chair had re recommended to, for me to do. It helped, but the study guide, as everybody has echoed, is, is number one, absorb every ounce of information on there and you'll be fine. So as we've moseyed through the process and the studying, how about the exam? Kim, what did you think of the exam? I, uh, okay, so <laughs> I love taking tests. <laughs> um, what? I know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird thing, right? That's okay. That's okay. I, I was really ex excited about it. But also, you know, it's that like, it's that adrenaline rush. You've been preparing. And, you know, at that point, I, I felt like I, you know, I was in my, 
my moment because I, um, with my flashcards, I had gone through everything in detail over and over again. And I think I set aside, like, right, I think I took the test on a Monday. I took that day off. I scheduled the test on a Monday morning. Um, and my plan was because, you know, again, we, we don't have all the time in the world. I mean, we, we work, we have families, we, we have things going on. Um, so I um, probably that weekend, right before the test, I think I set aside, you know, a few hours each day to go through those flashcards. Um, because like, like I said earlier, for me, the process of writing them out is important. And I did that actually while I was reading Cut, Lip, and Center. I would just, you know, write out flashcards as I, as I went through each chapter. And I did that, you know, on and off over a period of time. Um, and so when I got to that weekend before I took the test, I just set aside those several hours each of the days to make sure that I had all the information in my head. I got a good night's sleep before the test, woke up on Monday morning, went to take it, and you know i got the good news that that i i passed and yeah. i got to have the rest of the day off and um you know just to relax so you know um that's what worked for me and um you know again the experience was it was a it was a positive experience um i would encourage folks to you know breathe <laughs> make sure that you're well hydrated um, and, you know, take your time as you're answering those questions and go back and double check all of your responses as much time as that takes, you know, use the full amount of your allotted time. I agree with that. Uh, and I did. I, I, there's no question. Melissa, what did you think of the exam? Um, I was, well, I was, of course, terrified going into it and, uh, the mm -hmm. adrenaline that she mentioned, <laughs> I mean, the adrenaline rush is huge. Um, as I sat through the exam, though, you know, every question seemed reasonable. Like, oh, okay, I know what to do with this one. And the next one, oh, I know what to do with that. Now, granted, as she mentioned before, as, as either Susan or Kim mentioned, there are more than, there can be more than one right answer, and it's about the best answer. Um, so you, I could have easily been wrong on a lot of them, even if I felt confident. Um, but it wasn't anything that is designed to trip you up, mm. you know? And, and so the more I got through the, the time period of the test, the more confident I felt. Um, I mean, even to the point where I, I was thinking to myself, you know what, I understand what this really is all about now. And if I don't pass, I can do this again. Sure. That was kind of my fallback um, mental note to myself, you know, to get through. Um, and, and as it turned out, of course, I passed and, and was, of course, very relieved. But looking back at the process, it was not as bad as I had made it out to be in my head. And um, just everything that I learned, I had the fortunate opportunity to go through a local boot camp. And everything that I was taught in that boot camp really came to bear in that exam. Um, and just studying the detail of the study guide uh, made all the difference. Yeah, I went through, when I went through the exam, I noticed that, you know, first of all, it, it's, it's what, 180 questions. Mm -hmm. One thing I did notice was that what I presumed to be the beta questions, the testing questions for future exams sort of stuck out, stuck out like a sore thumb uh, mm -hmm. because it was really something we had never learned about. And I remember going through the first 20 questions thinking like, oh, cat's in the bag. This is going to be a breeze, you know, and, and it's only taken me five minutes to get through the first 20. And then along came the next 40 questions and it changed my outlook real quick. It went down to a, well, so much for this exam. <laughs> so I, I sort of took an emotional roller coaster through the entire process or the entire test. And finally, I just ripped the Band-Aid off and hit submit, you know, after I stared at the screen for about 10 minutes, like, you really, you really ready for this? You ready for this? I closed my eyes and I did see the really teeny tiny pass on the computer screen. And I stood up and actually started dancing. And I know the people around me were like, well, who's this six foot two, 230 pound idiot just 
you know, <laughs> dancing the jig. Like, well, you know, <laughs> don't care. Love it. I immediately put APR on my LinkedIn page. And I know we weren't really supposed to do that because it wasn't official, but I was out there, you know? Um, and I thought it was neat to see the printout of the results as well. And you can definitely tell where I focused all my studying. Um, the law, or excuse me, the history of PR, I think was like horrific, you know, it was whatever. But the um, models and theories, our pie was all, you know, 70 to 80% correct. And so you can really tell. Um, it, it, it's kind of cool how they give you that at the very end. Mm -hmm. Ladies, this has been a fantastic conversation. And is there anything, uh, Susan, Melissa, Kim, you want to add before we uh, wrap things up? I would just add one thing that everybody is so busy, especially now. And I was really concerned. I just didn't have the time to devote. But the process itself, um, leads you to success mm -hmm. and so if you don't have a year to study if you don't have the time you know to read a book twice um whatever your personal circumstances may be that might prevent you from doing this um take the leap anyway I agree. because there's enough uh support for you yep. to get you through the process i think my process i really could only devote six months and as i said earlier part of that i was really concerned that i wasn't retaining what i was reading um, so don't assume that you can't do it because of your personal circumstance. Talk to some people, get some feedback, and, and go through the process. How about you, Kim? I think all of us have challenges. I think the process as Melissa mentioned, does prepare you for success. And that is key. And Susan brought this up earlier too, is that, you know, no matter what steps you follow, it, it is a process and, you know, staying true to, um, you know, the rigor of that process and committed to it is important. At the same time, stuff happens, life happens. I mean, I'll raise my hand as saying, you know, I had to, I had to pause my effort. I had to reach out to Kathy Mulvihill and request an extension because I had to have a surgery that I wasn't expecting. And, you know, it was sometimes this process happens in fits and starts and that's okay because we are all professionals and the process allows you to manage the time in a way that works best for you mm -hmm. and still keep the rigor of each stage of the process and making sure that we're all hold, holding ourselves to that higher standard um, that it takes to, to become an APR. Outstanding. Ladies, this has been a great conversation. I thank all of you from the bottom of my heart for joining us here this morning on the podcast. And I hope to talk to each of you soon. Thanks, thank Mike, you for having Thank you. Thank you, Mike. This has been Good Morning Communicators. My name is Mike Van Est. Thanks again for listening. So long, everyone.